This week in Retronauts. Oh, wait. It's not Retronauts. Welcome to uh, the podcast temporarily known as The Grind. This may be a temporary podcast, actually. Hi, I'm your host, Jeremy Parrish. With me this week, possibly the only week ever, Justin Haywald. Catherine Bailey. Hi, guys. Well, hi. Welcome to The Grind. So, first, a little word of what what we're doing this week. Um, You know, Retronauts is a podcast, but it's also a blog. And in our blog blogosphere the one up blog o blogosphere yes Blog-a-rama. i really hate using that word the blogorama we also have the grind for rpgs and the tilt for uh, iphone games and shu and chan for people who like norm scott cartoons and um yeah so i've been wanting for quite a while to do podcasts for those other blogs as well as just retronauts so why haven't you jeremy why is this the first one manpower as in i don't have much we just don't have the resources we don't really have a podcast producer we don't really have enough staff we don't really have enough time all those little issues it's because people want to get paid you know if if you didn't sleep and we just did this 24 hours a day i know we could produce a lot more content we'd do such a great job before we fizzled out and died you sleep i don't sleep about four hours. You're a week. A week. So anyway, um, yeah, what I've what I've been meaning to do for quite a while has been to try spinning off a podcast for the Grind Blog, among others. And uh, this week, I decided, what the hell, go for it? Because there's really nothing Retronauts related that I wanted to talk about. So this this is just a little experiment. But there is us. something really big going on in the RPG world this week. There is, yeah. Um, I think there's some new DLC for Fallout coming sometime. Finally. Oh, and, and also Dragon Quest IX came out in Japan, and that's basically the biggest RPG in Japan, which is where many of our RPGs come from. So it seemed an apropos time to... And most of our listeners. Most of our listeners come from Japan? I think so. Right. And I was looking at the demographic on iTunes. I, that's fantastic. I'd say 85%. Konnichiwa, bitches. <laughs> Just uh, just bear with us. Maybe this podcast will be a bad idea, but I just want to put it out as a pilot, see what the responses are. If you like it, drop us a line. Let us know. If you hate it, also drop us a line and let us know. Don't worry. We'll be back to Retronauts in due time. Uh, but for the time being, we're going to talk about RPGs. So without further ado, let's roll on into the grind. <laughs> are the ones playing final uh dragon quest 9 i almost said final fantasy 9 um 
you two are the ones playing Dragon Quest IX, so tell me all about it. Well, you know, it's funny you should say Final Fantasy IX, because much like Final Fantasy IX, Dragon Quest IX is a regression of sorts within the series. Do you think it's a fair evaluation? I I don't feel like I've played enough Dragon Quest overall, and and in this game itself, like I've played enough to get to the multiplayer session right. that I was able to do. So with that's you. what, like three hours of game time? It's been about three hours. Yeah, now. yeah. Um, so obviously, Dragon Quest Nine is a big deal, but it's also a controversial deal, even in Japan, where the people love Dragon Quest unabashedly. It's and quite a bit of just gave it a forty out of forty. So yeah, it, but that doesn't mean as much these days as it yeah. did back when Vagrant Story got a forty out of forty. When Nintendogs got a 40 out of 40, we were like, <laughs> damn, this must be an amazing dog simulation. Now Dragon Quest Nine is like the fifth 40 out of 40 in the past two years. Yeah. It's like they're handing it out like Halloween candy. You just have to come up to their door in a costume and say 40. Or be from Square Enix. Yeah. So when you say it's a regression, though, how, how do you mean it's a regression? Well, on one hand, um, Dragon Quest Eight was an RPG for the PlayStation 2 developed by the same developer, Level 5, and it looked great. At the time, it was probably the best-looking, uh, you know, in terms of cartoon-style games, the best-looking game on PS2. I mean, the, the developer had a lot of experience. They uh, did Dark Cloud and then Dark Cloud 2 and kind of refined their style. And then uh, Dragon Quest Eight was a further expansion of that same kind of cartoony, cel-shaded style. It really, really captured the look of Akira Toriyama's designs and it was a big, vast, open world, um, really time-consuming, too. I think Nick Marigos, who reviewed it for us, ended up spending like 90 hours before he could defeat the super-ultimate bonus boss. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of time to invest in an RPG on a console, in my opinion. But this is, this is a full you know, sequel to this, but that it's on the it DS. Is, There's no way it's going to match the DS, too. Right. So... so it has regressed. It has been downscaled in some ways to better match the hardware, like the the world map view. I mean, just looking at it, it's obviously less grand and open, whereas uh, Dragon Quest VIII gave you this kind of like low-to-the-ground, over-the-shoulder viewpoint as you traveled around and you had a fully rotating camera and just this vast sweeping vistas to uh, to travel across. Dragon Quest IX goes more toward the older style of world map where you have Everything's more compact. It's more of a top-down view. It's kind of halfway between top-down and and the over-the-shoulder. And actually, the the scale of the map is is kind of similar because your characters are bigger on the screen than they would be in like one of the re- the remakes, like Dragon Quest V remake. Uh, they're they're bigger proportionately, and also the world map is bigger itself. So it's kind of this weird in between, like classic Dragon Quest and modern Dragon Quest. When it zooms in, you can really see the pixels on the characters, but I find that keeping it zoomed out makes the characters and the world look really good, though. Yeah, I mean, people look at screenshots and uh, they complain because, oh, it looks stupid, they look crappy. But in motion, the game looks really great. Mm-hmm. What you have to keep in mind is that when you're looking at it on a 1280 by 900 computer monitor, yeah, it's going to look like junk, but you're supposed to be looking at it on a 3-inch DS screen. And when you actually see it in motion on the screen, it's really colorful, really vivid. There's uh, Even at that size, there's cell shading around the characters, and it looks really good and cartoony. Yeah, the character is a little boxy, but when you actually, when you actually see them in the game, they're, they're very smoothly animated, pretty detailed. I mean, it's a cartoony-looking game, so it's not like the DS can't handle that. I think it looks really nice when you actually see it in motion. And there's a really good aesthetic to it. I mean, a lot of what's going to make a game like this look good 
is just the graphic design involved in it. And Level 5, whatever you may say about their works, um, they know how to make a great-looking game. Uh, the the you, You've been to a few of the open areas. Like, you start out in... Um, like it's kind of like a heavenly realm, uh, sort of similar to Zenithia from the Dragon Quest uh, four, five, and six, and uh, like you're you're an angel hanging around with the angels in Angel Land, and there's a world tree at the top of Angel World or whatever, um, and the music there is really mellow. It's you know classic Dragon Quest style music, but it's it's very soothing and relaxing, and just the the amount of detail in that area, every every little area is. Uh, exquisitely rendered. There's, it's not like copy and paste design. It, it's a far cry from you know the the sort of copy and paste tile based old school eight bit sixteen bit RPG design. I, I think if Dragon Quest Seven had looked like this on PlayStation, people would have been a lot kinder to it because it it's just you know like the DS is a PS one powered system and. Uh, like it, it really does a lot more. It's a, it's a lot more technologically ambitious than Dragon Quest Seven was. It, it looks a lot, in some ways, the the things they've done with it look a lot like the Final Fantasy remakes they've done on DS. The art style is they did, but I, I, it's it's much better. It's much more detailed. Matrix uh, does good work, but it just pales in comparison to Level Five's I watched, efforts. I was watching uh, Jeremy play the game over his shoulder, and uh, I definitely think it's the best 3D graphics that you're going to find on the Nintendo DS. There's really no comparison. And I'm speaking as somebody who really, really hates uh, 3D graphics on the DS. Um, I don't think it's a good good use of the system's power. But uh, I found these graphics really attractive. Uh, Speaking of RPGs, there is another RPG that it's not out yet, but that uses the 3D very well. We didn't do a full preview on it. We did a news story. It's called The Warlock of Witch Mountain. It has this really generic title. Wait, that's like, is that related to Escape from Witch Mountain? No, it is. Is Related to a a series of English books by, I think, Oh, that's um, that's the Western Isn't that Fighting Fantasy? Fighting Fantasy. That's what, yeah, you're talking about. I haven't actually seen that emotion. I keep hearing talk about it, but I haven't haven't seen it in action yet. Honestly, that game looks really good. That's, that is probably the best 3D engine I've seen. Hmm. On the oh, DS, it's but. it's fighting wars, Dragon Quest. Well, and also, actually, Matrix is developing Final Fantasy Gaiden soon. Mm. Right, they're developing it now, and that will be out. I think it's September or October in Japan, and that looks really nice. I don't know if you've seen the videos, but it's really it's really gorgeous. So you know, 3D is kind of coming into its own on on DS, I guess, after five years. <laughs> so congratulations there, Nintendo and and friends. Okay. Um, but but. But I think part of the trick with making good DS3D is to keep it limited. You don't have... They, they, they smartly tried... Didn't try to give you like that low-to-the-ground, take-in-the-entire-world perspective. The, the camera is usually pretty fixed, a bit high. It's not a rotating camera that you're going to move around the world. You can, you can rotate things. like 45 degrees within towns, but you can't pan it down and up. Yeah. Um, so there's a fixed perspective. Everything is designed to look good from that 45-degree angle. And it does. I mean, each town, I don't know, it helps that there's a lot of variety. Uh, Each town has its own feel. Like the first town you go to is really shabby and worn down. There's like thatched roofs that are missing tiles and or not 
thatched roofs, but roofs that are missing tiles. And the uh, the church bell is laying on the ground and, and kind of crumbled. And You go through the opening gate and it's kind of tilted at an angle. Right, exactly. But then you go into the uh, to the royal capital, St. Stein, and it's this big bustling town. Everything is clean, modern, well, modern in the Dragon <laughs> Quest perspective, like uh, clean brickwork and everything is, is, you know, up to code. And then you go further and there's a little town where everything is kind of revolving around this this uh, rock outcropping in the center of the town and there's a cave below it and on top of it is growing a grove of cherry trees and there there are cherry branches and cherry blossoms spilling all over and so on and so forth. Every town that I've been to has been kind of its own distinct style and they all look really different and they all look really nice. So that's an aesthetic thing. That's, you know, a technological regression, but I think they've they've managed to play it well. There's a reason that uh, the game is a step backward in terms of hardware. And that's because uh, Yuji Horii, the creator of Dragon Quest, really wanted it to be a multiplayer RPG and uh, for whatever reason decided to go with DS instead of PSP. Hmm. I don't know why. I'm going to assume maybe it's because the DS is so much more popular Cha-ching. and would sell so much better. But See, I don't know about that because if it came out on the PSP, uh, as Monster Hunter proved, uh, it would sell like hotcakes. Yeah, but yeah. when development started, there was no way for them to know that. That's true. The, the yeah. PSP's uh, sudden kind of come from behind revival in Japan has happened in the past year, year and a half. That's true. Uh, a year, you know, two years ago, three years ago, when they first announced the game, when they first started planning it, like the PSP was this pathetic little also ran Mm. and monster hunter has done a lot to revive it resuscitate it and dragon quest kind of plays on monster hunter strengths with the multiplayer aspects but um yeah at the time i think they made the right decision because the ds was this runaway steamrolling success Mm -hmm. and it still is Mm -hmm. it's just that the psp has gone from selling maybe a quarter of what the ds has sold to half so so i can understand why they made the decision Having played a lot more, is there anything else that you would say is a regression besides the graphics? Well, yeah, the the overall uh, approach to your character as your party. You have a hero, and then you have either a bunch of generics that you recruit from the local recruiting agency, or you have other players that you play with. You don't have, like, uh, you know, Dragon Quest Eight. you had Jessica and Yangus and Angelo and, like, really well-defined, interesting, likable characters. Uh, especially, you know, Yangus is, is pretty popular, popular enough that they actually gave him in his, his own roguelike in Japan. Um, there's no one like that in Dragon Quest Nine. You have uh, a, a a fairy named Sandy who's, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, she's kind of chipper and annoying and her music is irritating. The Japanese apparently really hate her. Yeah, apparently that was a big misstep. Um, she's not quite Gongoro, she's more like a gal, Gyaru, but... Um, She's, you know, got the fakey blonde hair and a tan and in a really short skirt. Yeah. 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 It's just kind of. You sound so excited, Justin. I I just got to that part when, uh, when Jeremy and I started some multiplayer playing. So, so I I didn't know that you wouldn't get other people in your party. I was just starting to recruit my own band of merry adventurers, but you can, you get to keep those guys. You get to level them up. You get to yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever equipment you there want. Are, there are two ways you can do that. You can, uh, you can recruit pre-made characters, kind of like in Final Fantasy Tactics or other tactical RPGs, where you go to the bar and you just recruit random people that the, the game gives you. But you can also completely roll your own. And there's really no advantage to doing either, aside from the fact that if you roll your own, you can... Uh, 
well, you can determine their character class. And if you get the ones from the bar, uh, from the inn, you're, you have like a limited selection of classes to choose from. I mean, there's like one mage, one priest, whatever. Uh, this way, if you want to make a party of nothing but soldiers and, you know, die horribly halfway through the game, that's great. You can do that. But um, It reminds me a lot of Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles uh, for the DS um, in that you can create your own characters for that one, too, and put together your own party and go adventuring and everything. Right. And it has that same kind of uh, go grind and be a loot horror appeal mm-hmm. to it because everything you equip is shown on your character instantly. So your characters change a lot over time and each character is going to look different from the others. Milky um, will love this game. Yeah, I feel like this is the first Dragon Quest that James Milky will like. And to to kind of build on that loot horror aspect... Uh, there's a huge alchemy system that I've only just scratched the surface of. Um, Dragon Quest VIII had an alchemy pot where you uh, would carry it around and you'd drop stuff in, and a little mm-hmm. while later, something new would come out. But in this in this case, there's only one alchemy pot. It's in the same place where you recruit characters in the town of St. Stein. And um, you, uh, you put stuff in and instantly get something back, so you don't have to wait this time. But there, there are countless recipes. I think I found like 1% of the recipes and I'm at a point where I found like 15% of the enemies. So that kind of gives you an idea of, of the immensity of the number of, of alchemy recipes and each alchemy recipe has its own requirements. I mean, some of there's like basic stuff where if you take the basic like healing herb and the, uh, the curative herbs, the, the poison cleansing herbs, I can't remember what they're called. You can put those together and come up with like a super, super healing herb. But there is much more obscure stuff for you to collect, like slime jelly and tanned leather. And uh, when you're running around in the overworld, uh, when you run around at night, sometimes you'll see sparkles on the ground. And if you run over to those, you can pick stuff and you'll get alchemy ingredients and other things. So you might have to toss mushrooms that you found in one out-of-the-way corner of the world map into the alchemy pot. Just like the real world. Yeah, just like the real world. <laughs> so, so and, and of course, the... Uh, the alchemy items show up as as random drops from enemies and as uh, objectives or as prizes from quests that you complete. So there's a lot to do. Uh, it seems like something that's going to really appeal to people who want to kind of build their own characters. I've already found the recipes to create like slime armor to make me look like a giant slime, but I haven't. I don't have the right recipe ingredients for that. Well, how how frequent are the drops? Because there's one thing that I really don't like about. Uh, systems like this um is that either the drops will be really really frequent and everything will be really easy to get or it'll be extremely rare and i'll have to really go out of my way to be able to forge whatever the heck i want so um how is that in dragon quest 9 from what uh, i haven't really played enough of the game to really get a feel for how how that's going to pan out over the uh the full course of the game hopefully hopefully it'll be pretty well balanced i i kind of assume that it is going to be a good balance just because it's been in development for so long. And Dragon Quest is one of those series where the developers keep working on it and keep delaying it until they get it the way they think is perfect. So hopefully they'll have enough sense to say this is perfect and not, you know, get that completely wrong. But, but as I was, as I was saying this, um, this change to generic characters and a single hero. And of course in Dragon Quest, the hero never talks. So there's really no party dialogue whatsoever. It really pushes the series back more toward what Dragon Quest three was ever since then, starting with Dragon Quest four, you've had really, really clearly defined characters in your party. So it's, it's kind of pushing back toward 
a more quest oriented um i guess combat and system oriented kind of game as opposed to a story oriented game one thing interesting that i think that does though is usually in a game like this your your main character will be either a well-rounded or you'll have him be the warrior character like a strong fighter with the the best weapons and the best armor but in this case if you want to play with other people you want your main character to have a specific role within that party if you're just a whole group of four warriors and no one has any healing spells or no one has the ability to bring other people back that will definitely create some problems later on in the game right well i think you're you're your warrior character as always uh, like being a dragon quest hero being kind of like this holy warrior has healing and a pretty well-rounded repertoire of spells some attack spells some buffs resurrection um i think in dragon quest 4 the the main character was the only character who could do resurrection if i'm not mistaken maybe 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 not but that's usually kind of how it goes. The main character is really well-rounded. But there's a class system, and even though you start out with your main character as just a soldier-type character, um, you eventually you'll get to... specialties right. how you want to level them up. Right, you'll get to the Dharma Temple eventually, like you've seen in other Dragon Quest games. And at that point, you do a quest, and you can change all your characters to different, to, uh, different classes. And there are a bunch of different classes to choose from, including some specialized classes that you'll have to go through special quests to unlock. So, you know, you still have that option open. And I think the further you get into the game, the more you're going to enjoy exploring with other people. Because initially, it's just going to be a bunch of warriors running around, hitting things really hard. But as you get further into the game, and the enemies require more finesse, then you'll have more variety available to you. I find it interesting that you call the overall direction a regression, because... Um, it seems almost like it's just kind of curving back around. So it started out when RPGs first came into being, like it was all pretty much generic Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, that sort of thing. And then as like Final Fantasy IV and that sort of thing came along, you had a lot more predefined characters and fewer do-it-yourselves. And now that MMOs have become very popular and multiplayer RPGs have become very popular in Japan, uh, the do-it-yourself sort of thing has returned in force. And the... <clears throat> the uh, well-defined characters have fallen back somewhat somewhat so um i just see it mostly as the latest trend that dragon quest 9 is following do you see what i'm saying yeah there's there's something to that i think um but that that's almost more of a um of a western thing i mean if you look at japanese rpgs they still tend to be pretty predominantly you know stuff like star ocean 4 where you have your stupid, annoying, generic anime people who have set personalities and a whole ton of annoying dialogue. And this kind of sidesteps all of that. On the consoles, it's true. Maybe not on the handhelds as much. In a narrative-driven Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. On the handhelds, you have a lot of this, uh, like, old-school revival through games like Adrian Odyssey, all the roguelikes, uh, the Dark Spire, that sort of thing, Class of Heroes. I think it's just more predominant in Western RPGs because there tends to be more multiplayer things like Baldur's Gate or going into well, Fallout's not really multiplayer, but it it has that more aesthetic where you're going to be playing with other people right. on a connected land. Whereas Japanese RPGs have focused more on providing a, a story, like a movie that you're playing through. Right, but yeah, I think I think Kat's right. I mean, if you look at the consoles, you're going to find that kind of '90s uh, mindset. Mm. Like this is how we made video games back when Final Fantasy VII was the biggest thing. By God, that's how we're going to keep making them now. So do you think that'll be the but, case but with on Dragon Portables, Quest X? Um, yeah, I think Dragon Quest X will probably, since it's going to Wii, it's probably it's not going to be about multiplayer, I'm sure, because that would require them 
to actually do something with the internet mm -hmm. as opposed to local wireless and uh, yeah, that's right. just unthinkable what using the wii for internet come on no one would ever do that a lot more games have been doing that to be fair uh, they're sports games but um yeah but Aside from Smash Brothers, like what has has there really been? The Japanese just don't play on the internet. I mean, you walk around in Japan and you see tons of high schoolers, and middle schoolers, and adults sitting around with four or five PSPs playing together. And they have a they have a tiny, densely populated country yeah. where everyone's clustered into like four cities. I don't here. That's not really the case. Yeah, and I think that'll be a major disadvantage for Dragon Quest Nine when it comes out. I don't. I can't imagine Westerners really playing multiplayer with it, which will kind of a drawback. It's different, but Grand Slam Tennis or um, Tiger Woods Golf, they both use the internet on the Wii in really good ways for, for multiplayer. And they're also not from Japan. So. They're not. So, yeah, I'm I'm guessing that Dragon Quest Ten is going to be more in the Dragon Quest Eight mold. Mm. That's my guess. But, of course, we don't know. Who knows who's going to develop it or what it's going to be like or when it's going to come out. Or Which do really you prefer? <clears throat> Which do I prefer? Yeah. I mean, they both have their place. Um, I'm really enjoying Dragon Quest IX because I find it kind of intolerable to sit in front of a console or a TV for a long period of time. Hmm. Whereas a portable game, since I can just, you know, sit around anywhere, or snip, you know, jump in and sneak in like 30 minutes of gameplay on the bus or in bed or in the office, uh, it's it's really seamless and painless for me to play portable games. So I, I like the kind of uh, do-it-yourself portability of Dragon Quest Nine, And I do like having that kind of, like, here is a bunch of blank templates. Do with them as you will. Have an adventure. And don't sit through a whole bunch of really stupid, tedious story that's trite and boring and you don't care about anyway. That, that really doesn't work on a handheld because... Uh well, let's face it, you're going to play a handheld game in short bursts on the bus or whatever. And you probably don't want to be sitting on the bus watching these lengthy cutscenes and everything. Nope. If you're, if you're, I feel like people should use uh, like 16-bit RPGs as a metric. If your cutscenes and interactions are going to last longer than they did in, say, Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy VI, it's too long to be on a portable system. Mm -hmm. Rethink what you're doing. Go, go contemplate your sins and, and change your direction. I, I thought earlier, though, that you were praising Metal Gear coming to the PSP or being able to be played on your PSP. Was I? When? When did I do that? I think he wrote a whole blog, like, yeah, completely you, tearing them down. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was... I'm not... Uh, well, as of, drag, as of Metal Gear F Solid 4, I'm, I'm done with Metal Gear. Like, hey, the story is finished, and I, I really don't want any more of this. I want them to go take some of these gameplay mechanics and do something new and a lot less win long-winded with it. Uh, so... I can't find it in my heart to be excited about Peace Walker. <laughs> I was talking about um, being able to replay the original Metal Gear through remote play on your uh, from your PS. Oh, you mean um, as a uh, not remote play, but as a PSN download? PSN download, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's different. That's that's kind of a nostalgic thing. The uh, the thirty minute Super Baby talk at the end of the game was stupid then, and it's still stupid. But you know, before you get to Super Babies, you still have ten hours of of a really good game. Mm. So I'm okay with that. And actually, the original Metal Gear Solid, aside from Super Babies, it did not. There have. wasn't really a lot of excessive, just long winded. Would you please shut the hell up? Uh, dialogue. It was it was a much more concise game than uh it was Metal Gear Solid 2 where things started to go off the rails a bit. And it translates very nicely to handhelds. It does. It does. 
because it has that kind of limited top-down fixed camera. I think that's I think that's something important and something that makes me really wary of Peace Walker is mm-hmm. that Peace Walker looks like it's going to be the the Metal Gear Solid three subsistence slash Metal Gear Solid four style camera and that just doesn't work as well in a system that doesn't have the the twin sticks but that's you know that's not really rpgs so it's kind of out of bounds for this anything we want can be rpgs oh that's right rpg elements you you talk you become stronger your numbers go up therefore it has rpg i have items right that makes it an rpg right and the other i guess rpg that we wanted to talk about today was well actually before that did you have any um any other observations about Dragon Quest Nine? I don't feel like I've played enough to say anything intelligent. What did you guys think of the multiplayer? Because you guys were playing it earlier. Well, you know, we're still pretty both pretty early into the game. Um, I do like the fact that it's not restrictive. Um, basically, I had a party of, of three, you know, the, my heroine and four generic or three generics, and I kicked one out of the party, and he took the the generic place, spot in right? So I was running around with two generics, which meant we had like a fully rounded party, even though both of our main characters were soldiers. So we still had a mage and a priest. So, you know, if we had come up against something deadly and dangerous, it, it would have been okay because mm-hmm. we had a fully rounded party. And uh, when he hosted a game, uh, I went in and I was limited to the world that he had explored and opened up. But when I hosted a game, he came into my world and I was much further than him. And so he was able to go into places that were really out of his character's depth. And he bought himself a very nice sword. Yeah, from, but uh, all of the gold, all of the yeah. experience I was getting, that all carried back over right. when I returned to my game. Oh, nice. So you can you can kind of uh, bootstrap yourself, I think, by <laughs> joining up with other people. Yeah, people are going to be running around like uh, the Tokyo train stations, you know, asking for a party to join in. In that can way, you, it can feels you train a lot more me? Can you train me? Like Monster Hunter, and it's like an you MMO. You'll get somebody who's finished anybody. the game, and they'll go back into some area that they've already visited, and they'll just be like, "Come on!" And then they'll like do all the work. That's but what I, MMO I, should be. But when you play WoW, you're not. If you're a really high level character, you're not going to pair up with somebody who's really low level because mm. you're one of you. Neither of you are going to get any experience. You're not going to get anything out of any quest you do right and and dragon quest the leveling in dragon quest games is slow enough that even though i was twice your level i think you were eight and i was 15 Mm -hmm. um like i was definitely more powerful than you but not just ridiculously more powerful it wasn't like completely game breaking i think if if you had taken you know a party of characters at your level and gone straight to the next boss and had me along i would have been a help but i wouldn't have just instantly won the game for you Whereas I also feel like if we had gone and uh, pursued my next quest, you would not have been a complete liability. I mean, you would have leveled up pretty quickly and caught up with us mm-hmm. and been pretty useful. So I, I feel like, you know, maybe maybe if there's a bigger spread, like, hi, I'm three hours into the game. Hi, I'm 90 hours into the game. You know, if you play with a Koichi Sugiyama's uh, nine, level 97 character, uh with someone who just started the multiplayer action. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a little unbalanced, but on the whole, I don't know. I, I feel like they've thought it out pretty well. And it's interesting to play a turn-based RPG, um, with another person because you actually have the time to coordinate and say, Oh, wait, wait, no, you don't need to heal because I've got better healing spells. I can, I can do a better job. You, you attack this character or go after that one. And you can see what the other people are targeting. Exactly. So right. There's like a yeah. pointing on their screen. Right. There's a, there's a little colored cursor for each character. And, uh, if you attack a character, their cursor appears above, like it's a little sword. It appears above the character they're attacking, or if they're attacking the entire party or casting magic or whatever. 
so yeah, it's it's actually pretty effectively designed. And I wasn't quite sure how turn-based combat would work with multiple people, but it works a lot like it does with one person, except that you actually have to talk to your, your companions and say, which is very no stupid, debuff them before I attack. Jeez. It used to be an action RPG, right? Like, it, as it was originally conceived. The original idea was, yeah, was that Dragon Quest Nine would be an action RPG. And the Japanese completely flipped out. Right, because Dragon Quest is it's steadfast Quest. and unchanging. And that's not what Dragon Quest is about. And the next time the game showed up, it was turn-based. So the dev team were like, well, we don't want to ditch them. But actually, no, according to a recent interview with um, Yuji Horii, um, the reason it changed is because he just thought the action style became mm-hmm. monotonous and boring. Well, it does. <laughs> well, there you go. Like, uh, Yeah, I, I, can, I can see that, too, because uh, like, what do you do? You run around and hit enemies. Um, I feel the turn-based approach is more tactical. It's better suited to Dragon Quest. Hmm. So, you know, normally I'm I'm not into turn-based combat, but there's something about Dragon Quest IX that makes the turn-based combat feel dynamic and interesting. And I feel like I'm using a lot more strategy than I have in, in previous Dragon Quests, even at this fairly relatively early hour in the game. So, to me, it's a great success. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how I feel when it's in English, but uh, I think I'm going to like it. As most people know, Valkyria Chronicles 2 was announced uh, just yesterday as the time of recording. And Actually today, because the issue of Famitsu in which it was right. announced was technically today, even though it showed up. Even though I heard about it yesterday? Right. Because that was yesterday, or that was today, yesterday, oh, whatever. I gotcha, yeah. <sighs> time zones. It, but it's going to be on the PlayStation Portable, and it stirred up a bit of controversy from what I've been able to see. Right. Well, it, the, the fact that Valkyria Chronicles is getting a sequel is nothing less than amazing because it did not really do so well until just recently when all of a sudden there was kind of this resurgence of people saying, hey, morons, you missed the game and it's really great. So all of a sudden people started going back and buying it. But at the time it kind of, I don't know, it didn't really do that impressively sales-wise. And there was an anime that I don't think went over that well. No. I give Sega credit for sticking with it. Um, they created this very niche game that, um, to be honest, probably would have been ignored in, it was largely ignored in North America and, um, it doesn't really fit in with more casual gamers in Japan. Um, so when it kind of fell flat initially, I wouldn't have blamed them if they had completely abandoned it, but, uh, well, is, is its lack of popularity in Japan because it's niche or because it, um, is it pandery enough? I get the impression that, People who are really hardcore gamers in Japan have defined themselves into these very, very narrow limits of what they will accept. I think there are pandery elements to the original. I are mean, there? the character Selveria. I was like, I was looking at the scans, and I'm like, and I'm seeing the criticism of the new fan of the new art style, and it's true that it's more pandery than Valkyria Chronicles. But like, 
um, in one of the missions, the character Silveria is standing there, like with uh, the sleeveless, uh, the sleeveless top, hold, holding a machine gun, and your her breasts are prominent, and you're like, uh, yeah, okay, this, and all the uniforms. Um, I, I don't think it's usually standard issue for women to wear skirts. Um, it wasn't in, Star in Trek. <laughs> yeah, and of course, that wasn't really the military. They were explorers. that was Starfleet. It's a little bit different. Even in the new, I was surprised they did that in the the new movie as well. Had the really super short skirts. Well, they're going for the retro thing, and also you know for sex appeal. So, well, Valkyria Chronicles. Do we know anything else about it besides just the screens they posted? Have they given um, us any details? We know that it's going to be in a military academy, um, which I actually think could be really interesting because it would usually go for the oh, crap. Here we go for the high school sort of thing that you've. Yeah, that's, doing- that was that was everyone's first impression. Like the announcement was, it's going to be in a school setting, and everyone was like, "Oh God!" It's like they've just turned it into yet another stupid high school drama game. But in the original game, they make it clear that everybody has to get military training, no matter what. Um, and so, like these people who were civilians um, had to come out of civilian life and become soldiers. So you heard a lot about, yeah, she was a singer, he was a biologist, he was a history guy. So if they focus on that element, these people who wouldn't necessarily join the military but are getting mandatory training for a tiny country that's currently always under attack, um, I think it could be an okay story. And we know that there will be boats. (laughs) Yep. Um, Well, we haven't really said why people are freaking out about Valkyria Chronicles 2, aside from the fact that it's gone from PS3 to PSP. You mean the the woman in the corner with the little question marks uh, that's practically naked? Yeah, her... Well, it's just the artwork in, in, in general. Okay, the, the big thing about Valkyria Chronicles, the thing that made the biggest impression on everyone when they first saw it was, I can't believe how beautiful that game mm. is. It had this really distinctive style, very Studio Ghibli. Yes. Like, it, it looked like... If someone had told me, oh, yeah, Hayao Miyazaki finally decided he doesn't hate video games and he made this, he made this video game, I would have said, oh, okay, great. Glad to see it. I mean, it was kind of this rustic World War One. Uh, very Nausicaa-looking kind yes. of game. Um, and then on top of that, it had this, uh, this sketch filter over top of it. So everything looked like it was not quite hand-drawn, but pretty damn close. Yeah, it, it really was gorgeous. And that's not going to translate well at all to the PSP. But... Well, I, I don't think the PSP has the power to do that that filter. I mean, no. Final Fantasy Tactics War of the Lions did it, but only in the cutscenes, which were pre-rendered. I was squinting at the screenshots and... They look okay. I mean, they don't have the style that the PS3 version has. And that's, that's the real, I think the real complaint is that the unique visual style, not just the sketch filter, but just the overall, like, it's not typical cheap anime look. This is what Japan just crapped out style that most games do. And it really set itself apart. But the, the PSP, the character designs that have been shown of Valkyria Chronicles 2 do have that kind of, like run-of-the-mill, oh, yeah, I've seen this a million times before, style. And seeing those uh, that character artwork, I think there's the implicit fear that Sega's turning this into a franchise, capital F, yeah. that they'll turn out every year, which will get progressively worse. Right, and that they'll, um, they'll be going into that pandering thing like they did with the Shining, Shining Wind, is it? I don't know. There's don't uh, like some RPG game in the 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 shining series that's apparently the character designer has been you know does side work with the the porn type stuff and so he is kind of 
affected the overall marketing of the game. So there's lots of like scantily clad figurines of the female characters. Mm-hmm. And I think I think people have a fear of that. And also the whole high school thing. Well, be, and beyond the art style of Valkyria Chronicles, is there any way that they would be able to translate the kind of third person moving around that you had on the, the console version? And instead of a, just a straight top down move this character to this spot, it doesn't seem like that would work as well on the PSP if it would work at all. Well, it won't be as attractive, but... Um, I, I think that's actually the one thing I'm least worried about. I feel like that actually will work just fine. Hmm. I'm, not, I'm not really concerned about how it will play, but, you know, as shallow as it, and superficial as it may be for me to say this, much of Valkyria Chronicles' appeal was, was, in addition to its really, really cool gameplay, it had a really great, unique style, and that, that's being taken away. And I think that's why a lot of people are kind of bracing themselves and saying, oh my god, what's going to happen? This great game, what are they going to do with the sequel? Oh no. Yeah. I, I'm excited just the fact that they are making a sequel to a game that is really good. Just, you know, the possibilities in that are still really high. And, and see, that's because you're young and optimistic. Cherish that. Someday thing, you'll be old and angry like me. One thing I will say about Valkyria Chronicles is that it was a really great strategy RPG console experience, which I find extremely rare with strategy RPGs. Usually I want to play them on a portable system because they're good in short bursts and get really mind-numbing when I play them for a long period of time. But Valkyria Chronicles had a lot of... um, had a pretty good story and I I really enjoy just watching the chapters and following the plot and the dialogue. Um, So I'm really curious to see if they'll translate all that over to the PSP and I'll be sitting on the train watching a lot of of (laughs) cutscenes. It had a really deep story and yeah pretty, had a pretty good story, yeah the different yeah. factions those were that, that was a there was a lot of backstory mm. that was put into the game itself and and i'm excited to be able to to do that on psp like if if psp is the way that this is going to to maintain itself if this, if this is the way that the series can yes. keep going i'd rather have that than nothing at all i think it'll make a pretty quality tactical rpg experience on the uh, psp um and i'm really glad that they're expanding <clears throat> certain elements of the gameplay i already mentioned the ship's um, one thing that I really thought in the original was that um, there's only like basically one vehicle, like there's various types of tanks, but beyond that, there wasn't anything. And it looks like they're um, having ships and then they're going to add in um, very you say light ships. Do you mean boats or airships like boats? Oh, OK, boats. Um, various sizes of boats and also very small, light, very fast um, transportation that could get your units around the map really quickly, which I also appreciate. So, um, And sexy ladies, it's got it all. Yes. You know, it would have been better than Valkyria Chronicles 2 on PSP. What? Skies of Arcadia 2 on PSP. Search you know, your feelings. You know it to be true. <laughs> I, like, I like my memories of Skies of Arcadia. And uh, whenever they make a sequel to a beloved RPG from 10 years ago, things tend to go wrong. Like what? Uh, well... Like Fallout Three, the Brave Fencer that sure was crap. The Brave Fencer Musashi. Well, Brave uh, Fencer sequel. Musashi wasn't good to begin with. Yeah, but uh, I don't. You know. liked it because it was ridiculous. Well, yeah, I like ridiculous things. I don't know. I think Valkyria Chronicles Two looks a lot better than Super Robot Gakuin, which uh, puts giant robots in a dating sim situation. So, wait. So, like, Mazinger Z is is getting all a flutter about the thought that giant robo might have a crush on it. I wish. No. Um, or are you talking about the, the pilots? Yeah, it's the pilots going to a school and going into simulators, but in the, when they're not in the simulators, they're having hot pilot action. They have a different kind of simulator. 
That's right. <sighs> if there was any RPG, they already have Evangelion games like that, don't they? Yes, they do. I don't. I don't need my favorite franchise uh, soiled like that. So I hope they don't do the similar thing with Valkyria Chronicles. The RPG uh, I'd like uh, to see come back would be Final Fantasy VI: The After Years on PSP. Boy, I that would be a bad awesome. idea. That would be great because. Uh, at the end of Final Fantasy VI, there was no more magic in the world, so all your commands would be fight. It could be and, talk. You could have commands that and are blitz. Have conversations. Tools. Tool. Yeah. So you wanted to be Shin Megami Tensei. That'd be awesome. See so something. Something you said earlier is you'd rather have maybe a sequel that's a bit off as yeah, opposed to no different. sequel at all. I, I don't share that feeling. I've seen enough, like like Cat. I'm I'm kind of weary of seeing beloved games dredged up so that they could be crapped on. I, I'd I'd rather just. But if they're going to bring go back something else. like Final Fantasy IV, the After Years, I'd rather bring back Final Fantasy VI and do it something different. I, I have a, conversations about this with people that my favorite Zelda game is Majora's Mask because that's a completely different Zelda game. I think it would be fun to do a Final Fantasy game that's not a Final Fantasy game. That's not a tactics, not like an Like Final RTS. Fantasy Gaiden? Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Well, going well back. good news. You've already got one of those. Go and on. it looks a lot less cheap and crappy than the After Years, which is weird because it's by the same people. <laughs> oh, Matrix, you are an enigma. Well, I think we can expect a lot more Valkyria Chronicles um, after, even after the PSP version. For better or for worse. Yep. Is that a threat or a promise? I think it's both. It's like a light massage. (laughs) Okay. on the RPG front, uh, Valkyria Chronicles 2 just kind of came out of nowhere. It's the quiet before the storm of September and October. I think it's the quiet of uh, let's let Dragon Quest IX get out of the way before we start you know, bringing up the announcements. Unfortunately, there aren't a ton of great RPGs coming out this fall. I'd say... That yeah, I think every, everything is being pushed back to next year. Yeah. Um, Final Mass Fantasy- Effect 2, Final Fantasy 13. Yeah, pretty much. Which All is the- awesome because I hate holidays where there's so many more games that I'm not going to Well, you're play. in luck because there's nothing coming out this holiday. Like last yes. year when there were like at least three 100-hour RPGs available in Fallout 3, Fable 2, and Persona 4. Fable 2 Fable is that big? Fable is not 100-hour. Fable is no. like 100, the square root of 100 maybe. Okay. I, I got through that pretty quickly. Fair enough. I think Jin Sao beat it in like nine hours. <laughs> I didn't get through it that quickly. Okay. Well, Persona 4 and Fallout 3. That, yes. Those are big games. Oh, we do have Persona PSP this year, but that's old Ooh. news at this point. That's a Retronauts. Anyway, um, so this is not Retronauts. This is the grind, and I think we're going to end it here just as a test. Again, drop us a line. Let us know how much you hate it or like it and if we should continue doing other RPG podcasts here at the 1UP Network. Also, check out The Grind on 1UP.com and every other great RPG, every other blog. And uh, also on Twitter. Yes. Don't you post on Twitter? The underscore We're grind. so connected, my God. You can find us at the underscore grind and also just Retronauts. 
Do we have a Facebook club page? We should. Not a yet. Let's page. not do that. <laughs> but you, we could we could we could bug people to give us mafia wars points. That'd be the best. I love when people do that for me on Facebook. Anyway, this is the end of the grind pilot episode. So what do you think? Is it Frasier or Joni loves Chachi? We gotta know. Let us know. I'm Joni. I'm Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> right. Actually, you're more like the David Hyde Pierce character. Yeah, kind of. Unfortunately. Anyway. Whoa, you are crazy. And you're like Frasier. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> we should live together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving now.